Welcome, everyone, back to Tolkien Tuesday. Uh, not, no, fuck, never mind. God, <laughs> shit, I forgot our own fucking name. Not Tolkien Tuesday. Ah. Reverse, reverse. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is going to be at the like beginning of the episode before the theme song plays. Take Hello, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, okay, I'll shut up. Go ahead. Yeah, all right. Welcome, everyone, to Silly Marillion, the podcast where I, a lover of all things Tolkien, Paul, uh, talk to newcomer to the fandom, Tori, about the Silmarillion. Hiya. Uh, so, yeah. Today, uh, last time, we ended with the creation of the Silmarils by Feanor, and uh, I think this is going to be the episode titled Everything Gets Fucked. Oh. You mean we were chilling before? Oh, I like to think we're <laughs> always chilling. However, uh, I mean, what what bad stuff besides familial trauma came up in last time? <laughs> um, I guess last time was all right, but Melkor didn't he get like he like prison break? He got parole. He was, he was like scheming, but nothing crazy happened yet. He pulled a surprise, bitch, I'm back. Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that much of a surprise. Like, the Valar were <laughs> like, okay, you're on parole. You got to stay here so we can keep an eye on you. They're and like, who they let him out? They proceeded to not keep a very close eye on him, which then you're like, oh, well, shit, you might as well have <laughs> just kept him in prison. But, um, it gives me like real like Batman Joker vibes. Like at some point, Batman just needs to kill the Joker. <laughs> like he's yeah, got. Does no one learn around here? You gotta just snip it in the. He's calling himself the Dark Lord. Just snip that in the bud right there. <laughs> snip it. Um. But yeah, last time uh, Feanor created the Silmarils, and he's like, check out this wild shit, and everyone loves it. The Silmarils. I believe Varda blesses them so that any evil person who touches it gets burned and shit. Way to go, Varda. Thinking ahead. I always need to find some way of including Varda to keep you interested. Uh, Good. Keep it going. As soon as she's out, I'm out. You're like, uh, (laughs) mm -mm. hot star lady's not here anymore? Mm, No. Sorry. Can't do it. Not today. Um, (laughs) Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. But, uh, Paul, I yeah. got out my fancy colored pens today for this uh-huh. one that are erasable. I am ready to take notes. All right. Color coded. Well, all right. let me put on like one of those like silly graduation hats that professors wear. <laughs> and I got, I got the weird funny hat and the black robe and like a Hogwarts professor up and in the this like bitch. scarf thing going down. Yes. The little tassels. <laughs> I, those are a tight look. I don't know why. See, that might actually convince me to get into education. <laughs> Not only because I enjoy telling people about shit, but whenever I just we do a wear live the goofy podcast, 
that that'll be your outfit. That that's what I'm gonna. All right. Yeah. I did. I did cosplay. Well, it wasn't cosplay. It was for a school project. But I did dress up as J.R.R. Tolkien one Ew. year in eighth grade. I think I. I think the only thing I have left is the tweed vest. But uh, you oh, know we what? Do that. We should do a bonus podcast like that. God, we have so many plans for and all of our Patreons. I'm like, I can't. Keep, I can't <laughs> keep coming to L.A. <laughs> Yes, you can. It's I guess I just have to move there. there now. Oh, shucks. Uh, what a bummer. Shucks. What a bummer. <laughs> there goes any savings I have. Uh, anywho. Anyway. Enough about the housing market. Silmarils uh, <laughs> are now a Silmarils. Yeah. And so Feanor fucking loves these things. Like, you ever make something that you're super fucking proud of? Like, do you do you have like an item or... Maybe even just like a meal that you're just like, if anything happens to this, I am going berserk. Oh, wait, I need to think about that because that's an excellent question. Do you have something like that? No, but I can think of when I was like 10 with like my Star Wars Lego sets, I would spend like all day building like, I don't know, I think a Star Destroyer or something and essentially be like, if anything, if anyone even looks at this Lego Star Destroyer, I will chop off their hands. Like, <laughs> this is a no-go zone. You put all your blood, sweat, and tears into that, huh? It is very much Cusco. No touchy. No touchy. <laughs> and it's just, you, you're asking for trouble if you're thinking of messing with that. But, like, it's that level of, pro- but intense. probably even more because, like, it's his life's work. What was his reasoning for creating these? The Silmarils? Yeah. Uh, a mixture of foreboding that he felt the light of the trees wouldn't last forever. Mm. And also just to see if he could. Because <laughs> he's like, you know what would be some dope shit? If I managed to get like the light, like the very light and essence of these beautiful trees into these jewels that will make him look even fucking cooler and rad. Respect. And he did. And so he was really fucking proud of them. He would wear them to banquets. And there's just basically this thing where whoever, like if someone puts on the Silmarils, it's just like glow up. Like they are <laughs> the hottest up. person. They are the hottest person to be around. Like you look at Feanor and he's wearing them and you're just like, Oh, Hello. How are you, <laughs> sir? All right. Silmarils equal Make hot. <laughs> oh, and I just thought of the item that I would that I would so proud of would take or cherish forever. Yeah. This podcast. Everyone now. Aww. Aww. <laughs> we need uh I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna get some like stock sounds of just like a crowd going, Aww. <laughs> just throw it in there. That's the kind of quality you get with Silmarillion. It's it's the same value as these Silmarils. Yes, the same, equal <laughs> the, or less. The Silly Marils. The Silly Marils. I feel like the Silly Marils are. They look like the Silmarils, but like you grab them and they're foam and they make a little squeak noise. <laughs> how would uh, what? Feanor? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Feanor. I I haven't said it out loud yet. How would he wear them? Is it like jewelry? I think he would he would like put them on like a necklace and wear them 
All three make, of them on one necklace? All three of them, like, on, like, one of those, like, thick necklaces that go over the shoulders more than the neck. Oh, he's, like, kind of descends down and just kind of hangs on his chest. So heavy, he now has a hunch. I mean, probably. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're also, like, miraculously light because they're super magic. And... Of course they are. Of course. And you don't see any <laughs> elves with bad posture. So... This is true. This is true. What, what I would give for that. As I, I'm currently <laughs> hunched over my desk right now. But yeah. And him doing this is just making Melkor hella pissed. Because he is a greedy little bastard. Who doesn't want anyone to have nice things except for himself. This is why we can't have nice things. And Melkor, so, a.k.a. Kanye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he decides... I am going to ruin everything, and I'm going to take some little steps to start doing it. Oh, so, so he's planning it this time. He's going to be strategic. Exactly. So he basically just starts hanging out with the elves as, like, this nice guy. He's just hanging out with them and just chilling. He's like, hey, yeah, no, you know, like, let me let me share you some of the secrets of the world that I know. And he would actually teach them some of the secrets. Uh, but not too many. And few were actually his secrets to tell. Oh. But he would... So he's an expert-level gossiper. A mix of that, and he would also pepper in lies. Now, when it so comes to... we're talking to... now he's TMZ. Fuck. <laughs> Here, we need, like, There's... a reality corner where Tori <laughs> keeps us up to date on all... Fucking there's, reality. There's my reality he's analogy. He's of reporting. The day. He thing is though, Melkor does like gossip about the House of Feanor, so he is Nailed TMZ it. gossiping about the Kardashians. <laughs> I despise the fact that you have done this to me. Tori. The secret is I really know everything about the Silmarillion, and I'm just playing that I haven't heard of it. And You've this just whole time, been toying I'm just plotting me. out how we can connect this to different reality shows. Who needs uh, a show adaptation of the Silmarillion when keeping up with the Kardashians is right there? <laughs> Come on, guys. Keep an open MTV, mind. TLC, hit me up. We could turn this into something. Anyway. So yes. Um, Melkor's TMZ, go on. And so he's sprinkling in these different lies to different people. Now, to most of the elves, he starts sprinkling in that, oh, why are you guys here? You were you were born in Middle Earth. You were awoke in Middle Earth. Shouldn't you be still living there? Why why would the Valar move you here? Well, I know why. Because they know that you're not easily commanded. They know you're not easily manipulated. And they want to rule the world. So they brought you here to keep an eye on you, to keep you in prison. While they and now shh, this is a secret. Don't tell anyone I told you this, but Lips are sealed. There's a second race that's supposed to wake up called men. And they're going to wake up. And the Valar know that they can't control you as well. So they're going to keep you locked up in this like little heaven, if you want to call that, you sheeple. They want to <laughs> keep you locked up here while weak-willed men start to populate the rest of the world. And that way they can control everything. They just want to keep you guys imprisoned. They just want to keep the elf down. You know, honestly, so, if I was an elf, I would believe Melkor too. 
Yeah, I mean, he's very good at that. And the fact that, like, the Valar hadn't told them that humans were going to be a thing. And so they're hearing this first from Melkor, who's immediately like, yeah, no, they're weak-willed, and they're looking to usurp your place in the, in the, in the world, so... You know, he's not wrong. It kind of does happen, but he made it out to be, like, even worse than it is. Mm-hmm. And the dwarves aren't, haven't woken yet, right? Technically, by this point, I think they've woken up, but, like... They're just chilling, doing their own They thing. are mostly just sticking to the mountains. Uh, they're trading a bit with some of the elves who stayed back in Middle-earth, like, they're... Like, the elves came across the dwarves and were like, oh shit, other people. <laughs> at first, like, the elves did, like, would hunt dwarves because they didn't know what the fuck they were. Oh my god. I mean, and then I the dwarves were like, hey, yeah, could you stop shooting at us? And elves were like, <laughs> oh shit, sorry, dude. They, they speak. They think. Yeah, they speak. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's the lie he kind of generally tells the elves. So that there's some kind of... E- a bit too much distrust mm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically, he's telling this to the Noldor, the middle people, uh, because he sees, like, the Vanyar are too kind of holy, and they're too close to Manwe and Varda, and they can't really be corrupted that easily. They're very high, idealistic and so he can't really corrupt them. And then he can't mm-hmm. he doesn't really care about the Teleri because he's like, what good are they? What they sing, they build boats, they don't do much else. They're living the they're, good life. I mean, they're just vibing, and you can't you can't <laughs> Melkor's not here just to vibe. You can't fight a war with vibes. <laughs> you can't you just can't do that. So he goes after the Noldor because the Noldor are one quite powerful in that they are very kind of like a strong people. They can, they know how to make weapons. Uh, two, they are very inquisitive and they will listen to whatever knowledge they can get a hold on to. Whether they believe it or not is something else. But once that idea is in your head, even if you don't really believe it, it's still there. It's still like a, oh, maybe. Mm. And then three, He's got some other plans specifically for the Noldor. So, you know how Feanor doesn't really care for his brothers, his half-brothers that much? Yeah. He is, like, Melkor starts spreading rumors. And eventually the rumors get to Feanor that, oh, your half-brothers are trying to usurp your place as, like, the heir of your father. Of course. They're trying to replace you. And then, uh, the like whispers get to Fingolfin and Finarfin, his half brothers, and they're like, "Hey, Feanor fucking hates you guys, and if given the chance, he will try to get rid of you guys, because he fucking hates you and your mom, and he doesn't want you here." <laughs> Not your mom. And so, low blow, at, low blow. And so, all sort like the Noldar start building up secret armories for themselves and they don't tell anyone like Feanor starts building up like these little like secret halls filled with like swords and armor and he thinks he's the only one who's getting a leg up on everyone else but everyone else has their own secret vaults that they're filling (laughs) with armor and swords 
and shit is getting really tense now. See, none of these would have happened if we just had communication in the relationship, maybe a therapist. Honestly. Just talk it, it out. It would have been much better if that this had happened. This is such family gossip. Now they're about to destroy the world. Middle exactly. Earth. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So basically, it is. it gets to a point where, like, Finway is sitting in his, like, palace, basically. And uh, here, I'll just read a segment from it. But Fingolfin hastened to his father's halls and stood before him, saying, King and father, wilt thou not restrain the pride of our brother, Kuru Finway, who is called the Spirit of Fire all too truly? By what right does he speak for all our people as if he were king? Thou it was who long ago spoke before the Quendi, bidding them to accept the summons of the Valar. Thou it was that led the Noldor upon the long road through the perils of Middle-earth to the light of Eldamar. If thou dost not now repent of it, two sons at least thou hast to honor thy words. But even as Fingolfin spoke, Feanor strode into the chamber, and he was fully armed, his high helm upon his head, and at his side a mighty sword. So, it is even as I guessed, he said. My half-brother would be before me with my father in this as in all matters. Then turning upon Fingolfin, he drew his sword, crying, oh, Get thee gone, and take thy due place. Fingolfin bowed before Finway, and without a word or glance to Feanor, he went from the chamber. But Feanor followed him, and at the door... Oh, shit. Sorry, the wind blew my book closed. <laughs> no more of that. No, we're tired of this. Cliffhanger. But Feanor followed him, and at the door of the king's house he stayed him, and at the point of his bright sword he set against Fingolfin's breast. See, half-brother, he said, this is sharper than thy tongue. Try but once Ooh. more to usurp my place and the love of my father, and maybe it will rid the Noldor of one who seeks to be the master of thralls. So the, uh, these words were heard by many, for the house of Finway was in the great square beneath the Minden. But again, Fingolfin made no answer, and passing through the throng in silence, he went to seek his brother, Finarfin. And so, essentially, he, like, this is the first time an elf has, like, physically threatened another elf. Conflict. In, in like, the middle of, like, a market square. That so, line was killer. This is sharper than thy tongue. Yeah. Burn. Also could be a bit of a euphemism in any other <laughs> it's got it's got it's got weight to it i like it i wrote it down in my blue you're just pen. like i'm going to pepper this into my everyday <laughs> put it in my emails i hope this email finds you well <laughs> see this email is sharper than thy tongue so uh answer stat <laughs> so yeah get get back to me on that <laughs> thanks oh god anyway um so they never actually fought just no some, but like heavy words he like Feanor threatened fingolfin and fingolfin didn't have any weapons on him at the time so if they did fight it would have been a short one <laughs> but um he immediately goes to find his brother and then word eventually gets to the valar that hey this is the first time an elf has threatened another elf. This is like the kids are fighting. Yeah, the kid, the kids are fighting. So 
Who was supposed to be watching them? So yeah, but now the deeds of Feanor could not be passed over, and the Valar were angered and dismayed, and he was summoned to appear before them at the gates of Valmar to answer for all his words and deeds. There, uh, words and deeds, <laughs> words and deeds, <laughs> words and deeds, nuts. Anyway, hey, <laughs> hey, got him. There also were summoned all others who had any part in this matter or any knowledge of it. And Feanor, standing before Mandos in the Ring of Doom, was commanded to answer all that was asked of him. Then at last the root was laid bare, and the malice of Melkor revealed. And straightway Tulkis left the council to lay hands upon him, and bring him again to judgment. But Feanor was not held guiltless, for he it was that had broken the peace of Valinor, and drawn his sword upon his kinsmen. And Mandos said to him, Thou speakest of thraldom. If thraldom it be, thou canst not escape it. For Manwe is king of Arda, and not of Valinor alone. And this deed was unlawful, whether in Valinor or not in Valinor. Therefore this doom is now made. For twelve years thou shalt leave the city where this threat was uttered. In that time take counsel with thyself, and remember who and what thou art. But after that time this matter shall be set in peace, and held redressed, if others will release thee. Then Fingolfin said, I will release my brother. But Feanor spoke no word in answer, standing silent before the Valar. Then he turned and left the council and departed from Valmar. So he basically... He got put on house arrest for 12 years. Well, he got kicked out of his house for 12 years. Like, he, oh. he cannot return to Tyrion, the city where it was uttered, where he lives. He has to go into kind of exile in the kingdom. And kind of, he gets, it's not really a house arrest. It's a more go to your room and think about <laughs> what you've done. For 12 years. For 12 years. Um, but I also love just in this moment, Fingolfin offers to just forgive him now and yeah. have him not take any punishment. And he was too proud to. Yeah. Feanor just is like, no, fuck. I don't want your pity. Fuck off. <laughs> I hate you. Um. And so when he gets banished, his sons go with him, too. His seven sons go with him. Mm. And uh, I don't know if his wife goes with him. I think by this point, they're starting to get more estranged. I don't know. He was like, you did this. I don't need to be Mm -hmm. punished as well. And that also kind of comes up with the idea of like, oh, her sons kind of have to choose between her and him. And they choose him. Oh, this is going to be a messy divorce. And it kind of is a bit of foreshadowing for later. Um, what was his wife's name? Uh, Nerdanel. Nerdanel. She made the statues. Yeah, buff arm lady. Yes. Um, and another thing that happens is that Finway, the king, his father, uh, goes with him into exile. Oh. Because he loves him so much, so he he essentially leaves the capital city where he's supposed to rule, and instead goes into exile with his son. Essentially saying, hey, if my son isn't welcome in this city, I'm not welcome in this city. See you guys in 12 years. Uh, A bit of solidarity, but also, like, you're showing blatant favoritism for one son (laughs) over the other two you also have. Uh, But yeah, at this point, they find out, oh shit, Melkor's been saying all this shit. So Tulkis is immediately like, I'm gonna whoop his ass. Let me find him. Uh, But by now... 
uh, Melkor has basically just fled the, the country, basically. He has mm. disappeared. He has fled away. Of course, he's smarter than that now. Mm. Ah, and here comes one of the cooler parts. But uh, Melkor kind of gives Tulkis a slip, and he quickly goes to where uh, Feanor is now living. At this, uh, Feanor built this kind of big fortress for himself in the mountains called Formenos. And uh, uh, it is told that for a time Melkor was not seen again in Valinor, nor was any rumor heard of him, until suddenly he came to Formenos and spoke with Feanor before his doors. Friendship, he feigned with cunning argument, urging him to his former thought of flight from the trammels of the Valar. And he said, Behold, the truth of all that I have spoken, and how thou art banished unjustly. But if the heart of Feanor is yet free and bold as were his words in Tyrion, then I will aid him, and bring him far from this narrow land. For am I not a Valar also? Yea, and more than those who sit in pride in Valimar. I have ever been a friend to the Noldor, most skilled and most valiant of the people of Arda. Now Feanor's heart was still bitter at his humiliation before Mandos, and he looked at Melkor in silence, pondering if indeed he might yet trust him so far as to aid him in his flight. And Melkor, seeing that Feanor wavered, and knowing that, uh, and knowing that the Silmarils held his heart in thrall, he said at last, Here is a strong place, and well guarded, but think not that the Silmarils will lie safe in any treasury within the realm of the Valar. But his cunning overreached his aim. His words touched too deep, and awoke a fire more fierce than he designed. And Feanor looked upon Melkor with eyes that burned through his fair semblance, and pierced the cloaks of his mind, perceiving there his fierce lust for the Silmarils. Then hate overcame Feanor's fear, and he cursed Melkor and bade him be gone, saying, Get thee gone from my gate, thou jail-crow of Mandos! And he oh, shut yeah. the doors of his house in the face of the mightiest of all of the dwellers of Arda. So he basically just like, get the fuck out of here! And just slams his like the door in the face of the devil himself. But basically. solely because he insulted his, his jewels. Or made it obvious that he wanted his jewels. Mm. <laughs> and now that we've said jewels, all I can think of is the fucking vape pen. <laughs> He wants his jewel. <laughs> and he said, no, this is mine. My high and my high only. I made my <laughs> own vape pen, the Silmaril. Not oh, one, God. not two, if but three. Ever, if ever I have a jewel, I will name it a Silmaril, a Silmaril. because it's the greatest of all jewels. That'll be our merch dropping soon. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Uh... So even... <laughs> Melkor is also sounding a little bit like like that ex in the relationship that people just keep coming back to, keep letting him back in, but well, keep he, getting screwed over. He visits them. Uh, he visits. Oh, Feanor. so he's he's the ex that keeps coming back. Yeah, like Feanor doesn't reach out to him. He goes to where Feanor is now living to try and get him to like give him the Silmarils or even just kind of side with him against the Valar. Mm. Uh, and then he insulted his vape pen. That he, was it! He, he blatantly wanted his vape pen. Is what he <laughs> did. Um, 
And so after this, Melkor is fucking embarrassed. No one has ever like slammed the door on him. And he kind of goes away for a little bit to think on this because he's like, I don't know how to process this. <laughs> Feanor is really doing a lot of firsts over here. He's strong headed. Oh, that is his entire character. Where <laughs> it's just like, oh, everyone usually does this. Well, fuck you. I'm doing this. Um, but basically, he, uh, at this point, Melkor's like, ah, shit, the jig is up. I got, I got to get the fuck out of here because now Orome, the Valar, who is also like the hunter, he is the greatest tracker in the land. He's now mm -hmm. hunting him down. And like Melkor hears his like hunting horn in the distance and his dogs are like barking and braying. Yeah, he's like, and oop, gotta go. Like, oh shit, I gotta, gotta run. So he basically leaves uh, Valinor for a time and kind of gives uh, Orome the slip. He makes it look like he's heading north, but then he immediately heads south. And now, on this continent, Amon, uh, Valinor, the kingdom of the Valar on the continent of Amon, is like this bright and beautiful place and everything's fine. But to the south, on the opposite side of the mountains, along like the narrow shore along the sea, uh, it is very dark there. And it's like an eternal twilight. And Ooh. there is a spirit, a creature, who's been living there since the beginning of time that oh, the Valar I... don't know about. Have we talked about this creature yet? No, I have not. Oh. But her name. Her. Yeah, I'll just read it out. Does the, the south area have a name? Uh, I believe... It is called Avathar. The last airbender? A Avatar. <laughs> Avatar, the last airbender. <laughs> Avatar. Uh, Avatar. Yeah. Uh, thus unseen, he came at last to the dark region of Avatar. That narrow land lay south of Valinor, beneath the eastern feet of the Pelori Mountains, and its long and mournful shores stretched away into the south, lightless and unexplored. There... Beneath the sheer walls of the mountains and the cold, dark sea, the shadows were deepest and thickest in the world. And there in Avatar, secret and unknown, Ungoliant had made her abode. Ungoliant? Ungoliant. U-N-G-O-L-I-A-N-T. Ooh. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Who is she, Twilight Mistress? Kind of. The Elder knew not when she had come, but some have said that in ages long ago she descended from the darkness that lies about Arda, when Melkor first looked down in envy upon the kingdom of Manwë, and that in the beginning she was one of those that he corrupted to his service, but she had disowned her master, desiring to be the mistress of her own lust, taking all things to herself to feed her emptiness and she fled to the south, escaping the, the assaults of the Valar and the hunters of Orome, for their vigilance had ever been to the north, and the south was long unheeded. Then she had crept towards the light of the blessed realm, for she hungered for light and hated it. In a ravine she lived, and took shape as a spider of monstrous form, weaving her black webs in a cleft of the mountains. Spider. There she stuck. Yeah, she's a big spider. Oh. There, she sucked up all light that she could, 
and spun it forth again in dark nets of strangling gloom, until no light more could come to her abode, and she was famished. And so... Wait, is this like the same... Didn't it, um... Didn't Frodo get attacked by a spider thing? Yes, a giant spider. That is, uh, Shelob, and she Shelob. is a distant descendant of this terrible spider spirit. Ah, I knew there was going to be a connection somewhere. Mm-hmm. Good old Jimmy. Good old Jimmy with his <laughs> fucking spiders. <laughs> Why is it always the spiders? Well, there's a story of when, because he was born in South Africa and lived there till he was like three or four. Tolkien was? Yeah. He I was born that. in South Africa. Yeah. Huh. Uh, he didn't live there very much. Like, he lived there just for like the first few years of his life. Uh, but. Apparently, like when he was in the garden one day, a like big old fucking African spider bit him. And people he claims he claims like this has no effect on the amount of spider like scary spiders that are in his stories. Uh-huh. But the rest of us are all kind of going, mm-hmm. Sure, John. <laughs> sure. What was Shelob? Shelob is the one that uh Sam and Frodo face in the movies. Okay. But yeah, so basically, uh, Melkor comes before her and he takes off like the fair form he's been taking, and instead, like this big giant dark lord again, and he's like, "Hey, you wanna fuck shit up?" <laughs> and she's like, uh, "Yeah, I do, but sure, what not? do you what are you gonna give me?" And then. Yeah, uh, Melkor said to her, Do as I bid, and if thou hunger still when all is done, then I will give thee whatsoever thy lust may demand, yea, with both hands. And oh. so, like, after they, like, hammer out a contract or something, <laughs> she, Sign has on her, the dotted line. she has her lawyer look over it. Um, they're like, okay, let's go. And so she spins this cloud of it's not darkness, it's unlight. It is un unlight. It just takes in light. It just absorbs light. So it's you like can't a black hole. See. Yeah, you can't you can't like light a lantern in this thing to be able to see. No, it's not even unlight. Varda. Maybe Varda. But it's like very penetrating. Wow. And so Melkor's like, I've been planning this for a long time. So this is, this like plan takes place like 12 years later when Feanor is supposed to be able to come back again. They really have all the time in the world. <laughs> so uh, it's also the uh, like time when he's going to be allowed back. There is also like a festival going on. Um, Party. Because he's coming uh, back? Is it yeah. a homecoming party? Well, no, not because he's coming back. No. Um, <laughs> I believe it's like a harvest festival. Uh, let me see what it says here. Uh, now it was a time of festival, as Melkor knew well. Though all tides and seasons were at the will of the Valar, and in Valinor there was no winter of death, nonetheless they dwelt then in the kingdom of Arda, and that was but a small realm in the halls of Ea, whose life is time which flows ever from the first notes to the last chord of Eru. And even as it was then, the delight of the Valar uh, to clothe themselves in the vesture 
in Avestra in the forms of the children of Luvatar, so also did they eat and drink and gather the fruits of Yavanna from the earth, which under Eru they had made. So this is, yeah, this is basically like a harvest festival. Cute. Or, yeah, it's the gathering of first fruits because the Valar want a reason to party and to take on like elf forms and be able to like dance with people and just Who does have fun. It? Yeah, they're I just, they too. just want to fucking party. <laughs> they deserve to. Yeah, so basically, like, everyone gets, like, invited to the capital city of Valamar. Uh, the elves leave their city of Tyrion. Uh, you have, like, the Vanyar leaving the mountainside with uh, Manwe and Varda, and they come to Valamar. Everyone's gathering here, and Feanor and his sons come from Formanos to essentially get his official pardon, and also because he wants to party. But... Uh, <laughs> because he's still technically banished until he gets his complete pardon. Uh, actually, oh, I don't actually know if it is the official time for forgiveness yet. Still banished? I think Fan uh, Manway just wants Feanor to attend as like, be like, hey, show that oh. things are healing because your brothers are going to be here too. And like... Come on, let's show some togetherness, people. Let's show some unity. Solidarity, people. Come on. So basically, the uh, Feanor shows up, but because technically he's still uh, banished, Finway refuses to come. Because he's like, hey, my son is allowed, but uh, my son is still technically banished, and as long as he's still technically banished, so am I. Uh, did you hear like that farting noise of my blinds rattling? No, I didn't. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm probably going to notice in the recording. but <laughs> Anyway. So uh, Finway is not going because Feanor cannot go either? Uh, because Feanor is technically still banished. And he's only being kind of let back as kind of like a, hey, play nice. And Finway's like, well, this isn't a complete end of the banishment, so I'm not coming up to make a point of like, hey, remember, my my son is still banished, so I'm going to wow. stay here at Formanos. Strong family ties there. Mm-hmm. But only for one son. <laughs> yes, uh, Finway says, while the ban lasts upon Feanor, my son, that he may not go to Tyrion, I hold myself unkinged, and I will not meet my people. Because, basically, all the Noldor will be gathering there as well. Um, so yeah, big political statement from Papa Finway. For real. Uh, We're just trying to party. That always happens at family parties, though. There's always politics. Mm -hmm. And another thing is that Usually to great feasts like this, Feanor would deck himself out in the Silmarils and just show them off. But this time, he locks them away in a vault back at home and is like, I'm not going to even grace them with the appearance of these kick-ass gems. Oh, man. I don't want to be, be here. Alone? He's like the person who's like, I don't want to be at this party, so I'm just going to fucking dress like I don't want to be here. <laughs> uh... I'm going to wear that t-shirt that says I'd rather be at home. Um, <laughs> Shows up to the costume party in sweats. 
but yeah, essentially, uh, Fingolfin like meets up with uh, Feanor during the party, and he says, "As pro- as I promised, I do now. I release thee, and remember no grievance." Then Feanor took his hand in silence, but Fingolfin said, "Half brother in blood, full brother in heart, will I be. Thou shalt lead, and I will follow. May no oh. new grief divide us." Cute. I hear thee," said Feanor. So be it. But they did not know the meaning that their words would bear. And so even as these two are like in the middle of this party and there's cheering and there's dancing and there's music, you have these gods just beaming and chilling and the light of the two trees in the distance is bright and golden and silver in the mixing of the trees. Darkness falls. Oh, is it Spider Lady? Because Spider Lady and Melkor approach the trees. And Melkor stabs each of the trees with his great spear. <gasps> no! The and golden then, silver tree? Yeah. The light? Yeah, the light trees that oh. are basically providing all light to the world, basically. And as like he stabs them brutally so that their sap begins to leak out. And then basically the spider lady Ungoliant basically vampires them by just sticking like the two like front like like fangs of the spider and just sucks up oh, all the life. Heck. From, and while she's sucking up the life, she's like emptying like this black poison back into the trees that's just oh killing them. And no, not the trees. And so she like sucks the trees dry of their like light and sap and kills them. And even then she's not hungry uh she's not filled yet. And so she goes down to these large vats that gather the dew from the trees that have a bunch of their light as well. They're called the uh, wells of Varda and she drinks them dry. And she yeah. becomes so powerful from this that she starts like belching forth blackness everywhere so that no one can see anything. Uh, they really and, came to fuck shit up. Yeah, and in that moment, darkness falls on Valinor, and there's like confusion and screaming. No torches have been lit because it was in the middle of the day, and like it's just that sounds terrifying. Darkness and like everyone's just screaming and yelling. It's terrifying, and so yeah, it's like someone blew up the sun. And so basically, uh, as soon as they do that. Melkor's like, oh shit, we gotta get out of here. And so they basically <laughs> run. And How do they know where they're running if it's darkness? That's the thing, that's what helps. So yeah. Uh, in the darkness, uh, the darkness sticks around and uh, the pursuit begins. Orome gets onto his horse and blows his horn and chases after this like distant dark cloud that's gone away to the north. Um, but because every, like darkness is spreading over everything, many of his riders get lost, and the hunt can't really keep up with them. And so Melkor has fled. And Again. then, basically, there learn? becomes this uh, time of mourning. Yeah, because uh, they're just chilling in the dark. Seasonal yeah. depression forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a time, a great concourse gathered about the Ring of Doom, and the Valar sat in shadow, for it was night. 
but the stars of Varda now glimmered overhead, and the air was clear, for the winds of Manway had driven any of the vapors of death and rolled back the shadows of the sea. Then Yavanna arose and stood upon the green mound upon which the trees had been, but they were dead and dark, and each so branch yeah, and each branch that she touched broke and fell lifeless at her feet. Then many voices were lifted in lamentation, and it seemed to those that mourned that they had drained to the last the dregs of the cup of woe that Melkor had filled for them. But it was not so. Yavanna spoke before the Valar, saying, The light of the trees has passed away, and lives now only in the Silmarils of Feanor. Foresighted was he. Even for those who are mightiest under Iluvatar, there is some work that they may accomplish once and once only. The light of the trees I brought into being, and within the world I can do so never again. Yet had I but a little of that light, I could recall life to the trees ere their roots decay, and then our hurt should be healed, and the malice of Melkor be confounded. Oh, heck. Then Manwe spoke and said, Hearest thou, Feanor, son of Finway, the words of Yavanna? Wilt thou grant what she ask? There was a long silence, but Feanor answered no word. Then Tulkis cried, Speak, yea or nay, but who shall deny Yavanna? And did not the light of the Silmarils come from her work in the beginning? But Aule, the maker, said, Be not hasty. We ask a greater thing than thou knowest. Let him have peace yet a while. But Feanor spoke then, and cried bitterly, for the, la uh, for the less, even as for the greater, there is some deed that he may accomplish, but only once. And in that deed his heart shall rest. It may be that I can unlock my jewels, but never again shall I make their like. And if I must break them, I shall break my heart. And I shall be slain, first of all the elves in Amon. Wow. Not the first, said Mandos. But they did not understand his word. And again... There was silence. Dramatic. So what'd he do? He basically says, no. He's gonna think it over? No, well, he just straight up says no. If He says, Damn. if you break my jewels, I I will die, basically. He Sometimes is, you gotta sacrifice for the greater good. Basically, but he's very much the individualist. He... <laughs> Feanor is libertarian. Um... <laughs> He is like, if you do this, it will kill me. The first person to be slain in this land. And Mandos is very cryptic when he says, not the first. Because yeah. remember, he's also the keeper of the souls that of those who get slain. And who was the first? Immediately, uh, word comes from the north. Where uh -oh. Feanor's house is for Menos. Uh-oh. And it's this one ragged messenger who says, oh, fuck, a really scary black cloud came to the house and killed everyone, including your father. Oh. I just barely escaped. And, and they stole the Silmarils. Of course they the did. The Silmarils are gone. And all, all the treasures he had in his vaults are just gone now. Of course. I knew as soon as he was like, the Silmarils are staying home, I was like, who? I'm just going to put it in a safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at that point, 
Feanor just loses his shit. And this is the first time he calls Melkor Morgoth, which means the black foe oh. of the world. Oh. And that's basically the name he's known by after that. But he also curses the Valar because he's like, you motherfuckers, if I wasn't here, I could have been there to help protect my father. And they're like, he would have killed you too. A lot of too. what ifs. <laughs> but he's fucking pissed because he just lost his last par uh, parental figure. The last kind of true member of his family he kind of legit cares about. Like, he and Fingolfin had this sweet moment at the party, but like... That was ruined by Dark Spider Lady. Yeah, and the fact that Fingolfin was a bit more interested in making up while he wasn't. Uh, mm -hmm. But in the meantime, Morgoth and Ungoliant flee back to Middle-earth. Uh, and they reach... They like they're screwed. Yeah, and they reach Beleriand. And by now, Ungoliant is fucking huge. So much so that she's scaring Morgoth with how big she fucking is now. Yeah, she's heckin' powerful. Did she, like, eat the Silmarils too? Well, she says... Or uh, engulf them? Yeah, uh... And Morgoth was hoping that they could get back to his secret fortress of Angband where he has Sauron and his Balrogs hiding. And, like, then, so if, like, he could double-cross Ungoliant, he can call on them to help him out. But uh, she uh, sees how eager he is to get there, and she kind of puts one of her, like, eight legs in front of him and is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, where's... I'm still hungry. And you said you would say my... Look at the contract... Look what you see. See the sign. <laughs> now, if you look under subsection B of header A, I'm just imagining her pointing with her. He one pulls talon. out like a little, like a weird pair of like eight-eyed spectacles and just kind of puts them <laughs> on. Now let's let's look if over look this again. If you look at section three, uh, and and if you'll find, you'll find that if you look uh, at this specific passage, line two of paragraph A, and. Uh, I love this little conversation between these two villains. <laughs> Blackheart, she said, I have done thy bidding, but I hunger still. What wouldst thou have more, said Morgoth? Dost thou desire, uh, dost, uh, dost thou desire all the world for thy belly? I did not vow to give thee that. I am its lord. Not so much, said Ungoliant, but thou hast a great treasure from Formanos. I would have all that. Yea, with both hands thou shalt give it. Then, for, uh, forcing his hand, Morgoth surrendered to her the gems that he bore with him, one by one, grudgingly, and she devoured them, and, her beauty, and their beauty perished from the world. Huger and darker yet grew ungoliant, but her lust was unsated. With one hand thou givest, she said, with the left only. Open the right hand. In his right hand, Morgoth held close the Silmarils, and though they were locked in a crystal casket, he had they had begun to burn him, and his hand was clenched in pain, but he would not open it. Nay, he said, thou hast thy due, for with my power that I put in into thee, thy work was accomplished. I need thee no more. These things thou shalt not have nor see. I name them unto myself forever. So basically he was like, no, fuck off. I want this shit. I already gave you a bunch of shit. I'm going back on my word. I'm keeping this stuff. <laughs> and she's like, the fuck you are. Villain fight. Yeah. Villain and fight. so they villain fight. 
and she kicks his uh, ass. She course. like wraps him in like these unbreakable spider webs and like she like starts to like strangle him with them. And Margoth didn't think this one through. He like lets out this terrible cry of pain that echoes everywhere. And so much so that it affects the land where they currently are that it becomes Ooh. named Lamoth. Uh, oh. And essentially, oh yeah, therefore that region is called Lamoth, for the echoes of his voice dwelt there ever after, so that any who cried aloud in that land awoke them, and all the waste between the hills and the sea was filled with a clamor as of voices and anguish. So basically he puts like an eternal echo in the place from like the power of this cry of pain he, utter uh, he utters. Ooh, creepy. But the thing is, it's so loud that Sauron and the Balrogs overhear it. Oh, hey. And they quickly come to save him. The Balrogs pull out their like flame, uh, flame whips and start. And they basically like drive away Ungoliant before she can kill Melkor. And but she's not dead, just driven away. Yeah, I mean, she's driven away, but eventually she just kind of... Uh, let's see what it says here. Uh, With their whips of flame, they smote asunder the webs of Ungoliant, and she quailed and turned to flight, belching black vapors to cover her retreat. And fleeing from the north, she went down into Beleriand and dwelt beneath Ered Gorgoroth, in that dark valley that was called Nandungortheb, the Valley of Dreadful Death, because of the horror that she bred there. For other foul creatures of spider form had dwelt there since the days of the delving of Angband, and she mated with them and devoured them. And even after Ungoliant herself departed and went whither she would into the forgotten south of the world, her offspring abode there and wove their hideous webs. Of the fate of Ungoliant, no tale tells. Yet some have said mm. that she ended long ago, when in her uttermost famine she devoured herself at last. Oh, God. Yeah. She's just this wow. spirit of everlasting hunger. That's kind of cool, though. No one could kill her but herself. <laughs> wow. Either kill yourself or get killed. <laughs> uh, basically. So, at that point... Melkor has the Silmarils. He's safe now in his secret fortress. Darkness has covered the land. And even if Feanor wanted to break open the Silmarils and give life to the trees again, uh, mm -hmm. he can't because they're out of his reach. His dad is now dead. Everything Dang. is in just really bad shape. I'm surprised he just he didn't like kill over himself then and there. I mean, he was just talking. He probably about got how this massive vein on his forehead. Uh, <laughs> but he also knows that they were stolen, not destroyed. So they're still out there. So now he has a mission. He uh, appears in the city of Tyrion, where he's still technically banished from, and he speaks before a crowd, and he basically rants against the Valar and all the perceived slights that they have done to the Noldor. He talks of how, like, all, like, this shit has happened. And it's, it, he's, he really pulls just like, uh, I'm going to rev up the crowd. Like a, I'm going to tell like them. A Valar roast. Yeah, a Valar roast. And he also, like, like, speaks against Morgoth. 
the most, and he just, like, curses him completely. And uh, here's some of what he said. Why, O oh people of the Noldor, he cried, why should we longer serve the jealous Valar, who cannot keep us, nor even their own realm safe from their enemy? And though he be now their foe, are not they and he of one kin? Vengeance calls me hence, but even were otherwise, I would not dwell longer in the same land with the kin of my father's slayer and of the thief of my treasure. Yet I am not the only valiant in this valiant people. And have ye not all lost your king? And what else have ye not lost, cooped up here in a narrow land between the mountains and the sea? Here once was light that the Valar begrudged to Middle-earth, but now dark levels all. Shall we mourn here, deedless forever, a shadow folk, mist-haunting, dropping vain tears in the thankless sea? Or shall we return to our home? In Quivian and sweet ran the waters under the unclouded stars, and wide lands lay about where a free people might walk. There they lie still, and await us who in our folly forsook them. Come away, let the cowards keep this city. Wow, he had a lot to say. Mm -hmm. Go off. He essentially uh, echoes the lies of Melkor, though, also in this rant, saying how if they don't return to Middle-earth now, humans are going to take over, and they won't have anywhere to go, because mm. they shouldn't stay here, and they should like reclaim their birthright of the lands they came from. Fair shall the end be, he cried, though long and hard shall be the road. Say farewell to bondage, but say farewell also to ease. Say farewell to the weak. Say farewell to your treasures. More still shall we make. Journey light, and bring with you your swords. For we will go further than Orome, endure longer than Tolkas. We will never turn back from pursuit. After Morgoth, to the ends of the earth. War shall he have, and hatred undying. But when we have conquered and regained the Silmarils, then we and we alone shall be lords of the unsullied light, and masters of the bliss and beauty of Arda. No other race shall oust us. Damn. So he very much becomes a supremacist. Yeah. It's like, oh, he, wow. he had a point there for a second, and then then I lost him. <laughs> Sometimes, when I like hear it, I just imagine it being like an Alex Jones voice, like <laughs> the Valar turning the freaking frogs gay. <laughs> just like talking out his oh, ass for a couple jewels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then, basically, Feanor swears an eternal oath. In this oath, he names all the Valar as witnesses. He even names Eru, the god beyond who no one's have ever seen. Mm. He invokes his name and invokes the name of the Void, which none of them have seen. And he like puts all this sacred power in there where he's like, if ever I stop chasing the Silmarils, let me be damned. And doomed to perish. And damn, I can't imagine loving something that much mm -hmm. to start. I was gonna say like World War Three, but it'd be like pre World yeah. War. <laughs> and his sons swear this oath with him. Uh, Family ties are strong. Yeah, 
uh, they're really just following him. They they really are. They're to the end of middle. I Earth. feel like they <laughs> like it's dad who was so focused on work that any attention he gives his sons, they just I'm, 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 I need daddy's <laughs> approval. Just like I need it. Um, they swore an oath which none shall break and none shall take by the name even of Iluvatar, calling the everlasting dark upon them if they kept it not. And Manway they named in witness, and Varda, and the hallowed mountain of Taniquetil, vowing to pursue with vengeance and hatred to the ends of the world, Vala, demon, elf, or man as yet unborn, or any creature, great or small, good or evil, that time should bring forth into the end of days, whoso should hold or take to keep a Silmaril from their possession. So they're like, even if a good person has a Silmaril that isn't us, we will fucking kill them. And not take allowed. They are. That is mine. If <laughs> anyone has it, I will kill you. If anyone looks at it, motherfuckers. With I anything will but fucking, respect. He, like he's got like a vein just pulsing in his forehead as he's <laughs> yelling this shit out. Uh, uh, should not have left it out of your sight. But yeah, That's all I'm saying. Uh, and many quail to hear the dread words. For so sworn, good or evil, an oath may not be broken, and it shall pursue oath-keeper and oath-breaker to the world's end. Fingolfin and Turgon, his son, therefore spoke against Feanor, and fierce words sp awoke, so that once again wrath came near to the edge of swords. But Finarfin spoke softly, as was his wont, and sought to calm the Noldor, persuading them to pause and ponder, ere deeds were done that could not be undone. And Orodreth, alone of his sons, spoke in like manner. Finrod was with Turgon, his friend. But Galadriel, the only woman of the Noldor to stand that day tall and valiant among the contending princes, was eager to be gone. No oaths she swore, but the words of Feanor concerning Middle-earth had kindled in her heart. For she yearned to see the wide, unguarded lands, and to rule there a realm at her own will. Of like mind with Galadriel was Fingon, Fingolfin's son, being moved also by Feanor's word, though he loved him little. And with Fingon stood, as they ever did, Angrod and Agnor, sons of Finarfin. But these held their peace, and spoke not against their fathers. So you start to see, like, the family starting to kind of divide up. Yeah, and pick your side. Family politics. It's at this point you realize, oh shit, Galadriel's a colonizer. <laughs> because she literally is like I want to go to Middle Earth to be a ruler to be a queen Yeah, and you're like oh honey no <laughs> stay home I was wondering what Finarfin was doing though he he was real quiet during this whole thing yeah he's he just tries to calm them down like he's like the wise brother he's like they're fighting again like Feanor is like the most powerful but also the most headstrong Fingolfin is the most noble and the most valiant, and Finarfin is the smartest. Who's <laughs> like, uh, you guys are fucking stupid. What are you fucking I'm just high? Be over here and vibe. And so, like, he's trying to calm people down. He's like, hey, could we think about this first for like five <laughs> seconds before we before make before running into the biggest war? Are we gonna? <laughs> are we gonna follow through with this? Uh, like. Blood pack. Blood pack. No, no thoughts at all here. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's just me. Just me. All right. No thoughts. Just action. Just violence. And but uh, Feanor 
his words stir most in the hearts of the Noldor because of the lies that Melkor has been feeding them for so long. And so, like, most of them... Uh, well, again, they split into kind of threes because each, like, each group of Noldor basically... Or, like, each member of the Noldor basically has, like, a loyalty to one of the sons of Finway. Where, like, I agree most with him, I'm going with him. So, Feanor immediately, like, sets off first from the city uh, in to leave an exile. While the majority of people follow Fingolfin and Finarfin, who are just kind of the wiser, but they're still leaving. And in the end, like, the Noldor basically had this massive exodus from the city of Tyrion that they're living in. And they start heading towards the coast, and they essentially leave the city empty with only, like, a few people who were, like, either too smart or too cowardly to join them. <laughs> too smart or too cowardly still sounds like the place to be. Yep. But, uh... So now we're on a mission. Yeah. Now, instead of going after a ring, we're going after three jewels yeah and just as they're about to leave a herald of manway approaches and says against the folly of feanor shall be set my counsel only go not forth for the hour is evil and your road leads to sorrow that ye do not foresee no aid will the valar lend you in this quest but neither will they hinder you for this ye shall know as ye come hither freely freely shall ye depart but thou feanor finway's son by thine oath art exi- uh, by thine oath art exiled the the lies of melkor thou shalt unlearn in bitterness vala he is thou sayest then thou hast sworn in vain for none of the valar canst thou overcome now or even or ever within the halls of the, of arda not though iru whom thou namest had made thee thrice as greater than thou art but feanor laughed and spoke not to the herald but to the noldor saying so then will this valiant people send forth the heir of their king alone into banishment with his sons only and return to their bondage? But if any will come with me, I say to them, is sorrow foreboded to you? But in Amon we have seen it. In Amon we have come through bliss to woe, and other now we will try, through sorrow to find joy or freedom at, the li- at last. Then turning to the herald, he cried, Stay this to Manway, high king of Arda. If Feanor cannot overthrow Morgoth, at least he delays not to assail him and sits not idle in grief. It may be that Iru has set in me a fire greater than thou knowest. Such hurt at the least will I do to the foe of the Valar that even the mighty in the Ring of Doom will wonder to hear it. Yea, in the end they shall follow me. Farewell. And it's so powerful that even the Herald of the Valar bows before him. Once he dismisses him. Nothing is stopping him. No. And I think that's where we're going to end for today. As the Noldor leave their home and start heading towards the sea to try to cross over to Middle-earth. Damn, Feanor. I would have taken that warning and been like, okay, you're right. Let me go home. Yep. Let me just sit. Let me live my life. Mm. (laughs) Nope. They are they are out for blood now. All because of 
a couple silly morels. All a cup, a couple silly morels. Jesus. <laughs> All because of a few vape pens. Um, <laughs> God. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. It never happened. He didn't do drugs. Yeah. What you'll find here is that a lot of like the happy endings and happy occurrences that like happen in like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, they don't they don't really happen here. Uh, yeah. Tolkien kind of used all his like fun stuff there, and then immediately was like, okay, sad time now. <laughs> That's because those were for his kids, right? And this is for him. Well, uh, The Hobbit was for his kids, but uh, Lord of the Rings, I think, was for like an older audience. Because there is some suffering, but of course most people live in it. But in this one, every named character I name out, I think, yeah, every n- character I've named so far, except for like maybe the Valar, dies in some way. Oh, get into some death. Which, by the way, you reading those passages and names and dust and thou and yeah, well done. It kind of it. it it I would hurt. have been tongue tied. I was getting tongue tied <laughs> because so I'm like, it's like some old English over there. Yeah, old English. <laughs> but yes. Might as well be speaking Elvish. Might as well. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Elvish rolls off the tongue a bit better. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so for now, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Silly Marillion. Special thanks to Jack Hook, who composed the music at the beginning and end of the episode. And special thanks to Wool for making the art uh, of the podcast. And, of course, special thanks to Tori for putting up with with me. Oh, shucks. And uh, And special thanks to Paul for bringing the knowledge and the uh, quotes and readings and sexy radio voice. And special thanks to all of you for listening to this shit. (laughs) <laughs> i can't believe you're still listening i can't we got it we got it's like uh well, this is only like what our third episode and i'm already pulling like the ferris bueller like what the movie's over <laughs> go what are you doing here you're still listening why are you still here uh but thank you for still being here. yeah at least we don't have any like advertisers to get through at the end of this or something Special thanks to Dollar Shave Club for supporting Celine Marillion. <laughs> and now there is. Great. Great. Now we lost last listener. <laughs> for that free fucking commercial I just did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks everyone, and we will see you in bi-weekly, which could mean many things. Or bi-monthly. We'll see you eventually. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Oh, Cue the music. <laughs>